you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9 tonight. Uh, we're continuing our thought on uh, help from the hills. And uh, I'm going to look at a different one tonight. I'm sure everybody knows this hill. Uh, Psalms 121, 1 and 2. Can y'all recruit that? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord which had made heaven and earth. Amen. You don't learn nothing else. You ought to learn those two verses before we finish out of this. Uh, the psalmist said in verse 1, there is a help to be had if we simply just take a look to the hills. If you study the Bible, you'll find there are some helpful hills that would take a look at the things that surrounded that hill and what took place on that hill. We can find some help tonight. In Luke chapter 9, I want to read this. Look, I'm going to read a little bit and then we'll uh, give a little bit more on that and then we'll go through that. Luke chapter 9, verse number 28. And it came to pass about the eighth day after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James. You know, you know Peter and John and James was always the three that went with him. They was always the three, the inner circle. Uh, James, John, and Peter always went with Jesus just a little bit further. Uh, they went into the, where the damsel had died. They was there with Jesus. They, they went uh, uh, in the garden. They went with Jesus, and they went just a little bit further than the rest of them. So Peter, James, and John, they went up into, the, to the, into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed... The fashion of his continent was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there taught with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, which is Elijah. He appeared in glory and spake of his descent, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter said that were, were with him were heavy, heavy with sleep. And when they were awakened, they saw, him, his, saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. You know, Peter had a habit of opening his mouth and inserting his foot. Uh, Peter had a habit uh, of doing things that he should not have done. He, he just spoke up, and, you know, but uh, God used him. While he, while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and, their fear, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Now that's only three times you read in the Bible that, that phrase, This is my beloved Son. It says, Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days, of anything which they had seen. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your mercy, grace, and love. Help us to be what we need to be. And Father, we'll just bless you today. We'll thank you. We'll lift you up and help us. And we'll pray in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And it came to pass that on the next day when they came down from the hill, much people met him. I want you to remember that. There are some things that we can get some help from the hills tonight. You know that Jesus always takes Peter, James, and John's further than they always went with. They seen more than what the rest of them saw. They got to see some things. They got first look. Uh, they, they look like normal people. You're right. There, there's nothing special about Peter, James, or John. There's nothing very special about them. But God can see something in people that other people cannot see. When God sees you, he, does, he sees something that we cannot see. 
And you know Peter, Peter is the one that, uh, 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 his name is Simon, which means uh, uh, shifty. It means, uh, and, and he was shifty. He was also opened his mouth and insert his foot a lot of times. He's the one that denied Jesus and said, I'll never deny you, but he's the one that denied Jesus. He's the one that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But God saw something in Peter that we cannot see. God saw him that on the day of Pentecost he would preach a message where 3,000 souls got saved. And then two chapters later he gave him a fiery message where 5,000 souls got saved. He wrote two books of the Bible, a New Testament, that has been a help through people down through the ages. God saw something in Peter that we cannot see. John was the youngest there. Everybody thinks that John was the youngest of the disciples. And John was uh, still wet behind the ears. He was still smooth. John, the strongest drink John has had had been buttermilk. He had not been like the other ones. He was not rough like the other ones. But God saw something in John that we don't see. He wrote the first, second, third uh, books of John in the Gospel of John. He was able to see, look and see into heaven and see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. He, he saw some things. James was rough. James was a rough character. You would look at him and say, James, what good are you? You can't do anything. But God saw something in him, and he wrote the book of James that teaches about faith without works is dead works. And he was the first one to be martyred for the cause of Christ. So we, we look at these three guys, we think, well, they're just normal people. They're just normal, everyday people. And you're right, they are. But God sees something more special. They could say the same thing about you and I here at this church tonight. That's just a bunch of old no good people down there. They ain't no good. and They, they ain't worth nothing. But God can see something inside of you uh, that they can't see. Uh, and God can see where he's going to take you and what God's going to use. That's why I'm saying these young people getting up doing his things. God is moving in their lives. It's interesting to me when you start personally communing with God and they all are here up close and personal with Jesus when you start communing with God Jesus Christ personally when you start communing things start changing around you you see uh, down yonder where everybody else was at they, they looked at him as a normal Jew they looked at him as a, a, a normal Jew but here they get in a personal glimpse communion with Jesus Christ. He starts to look a little bit different to them. You know why some Christians never get past that run of the mill or that uh, skipping along with Jesus Christ? But they've never communed with Him. They've never had that personal relationship. If you ever start communing in a personal walk with Jesus Christ and through His words and through His prayer and through walking with Him, uh, He will start manifesting Himself in ways that you never thought you'd see before. You will start changing. You'll see and change in Him. He's more than a sermon that a preacher may preach. He's more than a song that we sing about. He is somebody that wants to be personal up close with you in your life tonight. Amen. So what is it that we can learn from this hill? And I'm going to call it help from the hill of communion. That fellowship, one-on-one -on -one with God. 
And every one of us, can I say this? Every one of us can have that one-on-one fellowship with God. Then we can have that collective fellowship with God when we come together and assemble ourselves together. We can have that fellowship. So what is it that you can learn from uh, this fellowship? They learn He is God of creation. Verse 29, And He prayed in the fashion of His continent was altered, and His raiment was white and glistering. Hold your plates there. Go over to Matthew chapter 17, the Mount Transfiguration, as it commonly called in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But let's go to Matthew chapter 17. I want you to see this. They saw that He was the creation. He was the God of creation. Verse number 1, And after six days Jesus talked with Peter, James, and John and His brother, bringing them up into a higher mountain apart. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Transfigure is where we get our word metamorphosis. That means that whatever was on the inside popped out on the outside. That, that means that he was always God, always has been God, but they couldn't see that. They had been walking with him. They'd been seeing him do miracles and everything, but all they saw was a Jew in uh, flip-flops and his dirty feet. They, they didn't realize that, but here they get a personal glimpse of the glory of God. They see his continent change. Uh, it became white. His face did shine, and, and, and they saw something that nobody else was able to see. You go to Genesis chapter 1, it talks about God. Let, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that light was good. And that was, that's the true light. That's what they're talking about, the true light here. The, some people say, well, that's when he created his son. No, if you go on down to verse number 16, God created a greater light for the day to rule over the day, and a light less of your light to rule over the night. John figured out who Jesus Christ was. John, John figured it out. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. John figured out here. They realized He was God that stepped out on nothing and created everything. They saw Jesus do miracles. They saw Him who He was. Can you imagine the experience of them seeing that transfiguration? Can you imagine seeing Jesus change right before them? Can you imagine the glory of God coming out on the outside? Now they see him differently. Can you imagine them going back down that hill and looking around and people coming to Jesus and looking to Jesus and says, I, I need this and I want that, I need this. Can you imagine what John, James, and Peter are standing over and watching people come to Jesus? And they says, boy. Y'all don't know who y'all dealing with. <laughs> y'all don't know what y'all got going on here. Uh, we we seen it. Uh, we know what's on the inside. Uh, I, I know I saw what's on the inside. Y'all just have no idea who you're dealing with. See, the world today look at Jesus as just nothing but a cuss word that comes out on lips on lost people. He, he, he's referred to this man up the stairs. You and I see him differently. 
you and I see him a whole lot differently. Hey, he reached down and touched us and, and saved our souls uh, from the pits of hell. We see him different than all the else of the world. Uh, we can see the glory of God. He is the God of creation today. He is the God. Moses, man, I'm telling you what, I'm about to shout on this. I'm telling you, Moses, they're, they're on all three of them on top of the mountain there. Moses, Elijah, Jesus. And you see Moses says, boys, hold on. I've seen this before. I know what I'm talking about. Moses went up the mountain to get the tablets for the law, and he done broke the first ones because the, all the uh, uh, backsliding, all the uh, false worship was going on there. So Moses is going back up the mountain to get the second set of laws, and, and he's getting disappointed. He's getting discouraged, and he looks at God. Says he listen to God. Said God, I need a touch from you. Now I can say there, some of us tonight need a touch from God. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do, Moses didn't have to plead or beg. And God said, Moses said, I just need a touch. He says, I, I, I need to see your glory. And God said, hey, brother, you can't see my glory. If it does, you can't stand it. So he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the cleft of that uh, mountainside there. I'll put my hand over you. Then when I walk by, I won't see, show you my glory, but I'll show you my goodness. And he's walked by and he took his hands off. And the Bible said that when Moses came off of that mountaintop, his face shone of the glory of God. And the people could not look on him uh, and he had to put a veil on him. Now let me just say this. You and I need a mountaintop experience like that. We need a transfiguration experience like that. We need to get a hold of the glory of God that changes us, that the world knows that we've been in the presence of God. He is the God of creation. Amen, God of creation. Let's go back to Luke. He is the God of creation. Not only is he the God of creation, he's the God of salvation. Oh, I love that. Verse number 30. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were with Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of the deceased that which should be accomplished in Jerusalem. I love who Jesus is talking to. And what he's about ready to do when it comes to salvation. And there they're talking at, uh, and say, you say the Bible does not tell us where they're at or where they're meeting at. Well, you can get some real good deductive reasoning where they're at. You realize that when Moses met with the Lord and received the law, he was on top of Mount Sinai, which is Mount Horeb, same one. We also find that when Elijah got discouraged, he goes to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb and in the mountain, through the mount of God, the Bible says. And we also find in the last three things mentioned in the book of Malachi before God closes up for 400 years. Chapter 4 says it mentions the names of Moses and Elijah and a mountain called Horeb. So we get a reason of deduction that their own Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. We also find out Peter said this event happened at the Mount of God. I love at this place where God gave the law that condemned us, but also in this place God sent his son to give us salvation. He talks about the grace that he's going to do for giving us. 
The law came by Moses. The truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. You realize these two guys next to Jesus represents, law, Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophet. Here we find that we got the law. Here we find we got the prophet. But the Old Testament and Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophet. Here sat Jesus Christ with one of the greatest prophets. Here sat Jesus with Christ with a lawgiver. He said, Moses, remember when you wrote in Genesis chapter 3, there will be coming a seed that will bruise the head of the serpent. Moses, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Moses, remember when you were in the wilderness and you hold up that pole? Yeah. Moses, that was me. Good, Amen. <laughs> Do you remember when he lifted that pole up in the wilderness? And then Elijah, he said, Elijah, do you remember when those prophets wrote and he's, there was one coming, born of a virgin? Elijah, that's me. Elijah, I am the, the one that has come. You can imagine sitting down, listen. Can you imagine these three individuals, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus? Can you imagine the discussion that was going on between these three people? Elijah said, Jesus, you say, what is he doing? He's teaching them that he's the God of salvation. He's God of salvation. On the same mountain where God gave the law, here comes the grace giver. Talk, he's talking about grace, talking about salvation. They, they learned that he was the God of creation. They learned that he was the God of salvation. They learned that he was a God that cannot be duplicated. You can't duplicate him. You can't do what he does. He's in a class all by himself. What, what you're saying, Peter is walking up there. All of them have been sleeping. They've been sleeping all the time. Every time you turn around, Peter is sleeping. He's sleeping in prison. God had to wake him up. He's sleeping in the garden. God had to get him up. He's always sleeping when he should have been praying. I guarantee you they're just like you and I. We ought to be praying when we are sleeping. Amen. Verse 33, and it came to pass that they departed from him. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. There's nothing like him being a glory servant. There's nothing like when God moves into a service and everybody gets started getting happy and the Spirit of God gets moving around. And let me just say this. If you ain't got something to say, don't say something. I mean, I've been in services and God was moving, everything was going great, and, and somebody get up and go, put a hole in it. If you ain't got, if God don't move on you to say something in service, don't say that. Just enjoy what God is doing. Peter had to open his mouth. Peter had to get something. He had to say something. Peter said, let us make a tabernacle for you, Moses, and Elijah." And what Peter was essentially saying, we're going to make a tabernacle for Moses, we're going to make a tabernacle for Elijah, and we're going to make a tabernacle for you. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Peter essentially putting Jesus Christ on the same level. He in a class all about himself. He's a different level. He ain't the same level. He said, hey, 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 
You could take all the preachers and the prophets and the religious people down through the ages, uh, the uh, Pope and all them, uh, and, and they don't even compare to what Jesus Christ is. And Peter was trying to put him on the same plane with Elijah. Peter was trying to put him on the same plane with Moses. And that's when God said, Whoop! No, 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 Peter. He ain't saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. We didn't come here to hear Moses. We didn't come here to hear Elijah. Peter, we've come to hear what my son has to say. Amen. You can't put Jesus on the same level with everybody else because he's on a level all by himself. Amen. You can stack every preacher, every priest, every pope, every wise man, every religious figure, and they all pale in comparison of what Jesus Christ is. Moses killed a man and buried him in the desert. Moses tried to get out of going to Egypt, making excuses when God told him to go. Moses smacked the rock when God told him to speak the rock and he couldn't go into the promised land. That's no comparison to Jesus. Elijah, we find him in a cave, wimping and whining and pouting. He's got his lip poked out. He thinks he's the only one. He's about ready to die. No, you can't compare that to Jesus. They learn that when they get up there, there's no duplicating Jesus. He is the only one that deserves praise. He's the only one that deserves honor. He's the only one that deserves glory. And when it comes into this place, uh, we like come to worship and praise God. He's the only one that we lift up. He's the only one that we lift It's not personality. It is Jesus Christ that we lift up. He's the only one that gets praise. He's the only one that gets the honor. He's the only one who gets the glory. He's the only one who has preeminent spot this evening to be given the praise and glory. They learned that God is the God of creation. They learned that God is the God of salvation. They learned that God cannot be duplicated. How is that going to help you and I? I'm glad you asked. He is a God that wants to commune with you. He's a God that wants to be with you. There are those that think all this communion and the communicating was just for them. No. As a matter of fact, you got something better than what they had. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to quote this man that was there. 2 Peter chapter 1. You say, how in the world could we have got it better than hearing the audible voice of God. Peter says, you got it better. You've got it better. Verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We were made known unto the power of coming of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitness of his majesty. They's there. He's Peter said, I was there. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when, he, when there was, came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter says, I was there. Peter says, I heard God speak. I heard that. And, and this voice which came from heaven, we learned, heard and we were with him in the holy mount. You can't say, well, you, you can say, I can't get that close to Jesus. I can't see Jesus in that way as they saw him. I can't communicate with him. I can't commune with him. Well, if you think that, you just missed the boat. 
you just missed the boat. Some people think you, you have to be ultimate, would be the ultimate to hear the audible voice of God. That would be the highest level of achievement for a Christian to hear the audible voice of God. Some think it would be the high point of their Christian experience. No, it's not. No, it's not. Do you know what to get the height of? Check out verse number 19. Peter says, we have, a, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto the light that shineth in dark place until the day dawn and the day stars arise in your heart. Peter said, we've got something better than an audible voice of God. Verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is any of private interpretation. Let's read that verse again. Knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of a, any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by Holy Ghost. So you see, Peter says, I, I, look, I was there on that hill. I, I was on that hill of communion. I heard God speak uh, in my own ears. Peter said, I, I want to tell you, you have something more better than that. What can be better than hearing the voice of God speaking to you? What, can I, what more can I expect if I hear God speak to me? I can hear God every time I open this book up. Because his word speaks to me. Listen to me, not because I'm talking to the last 30 minutes or so. You have a more privilege than Peter, James, and John. Why? Because you've heard the word of God. God has spoken and some people didn't even know it was God. They didn't realize it. In fact, in John number, verse number 12, Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Then, there, then the people, therefore, that stood and heard it said, It's thunder. And some said, It's an angel spake on him. Listen to me. Get, get this in here. If God was to speak audibly right here, right now, every one of us would hear something different. We're, every one of us hears something different. And what God says is when you hear something different, you're not in the same tune. You're not in the same mode. I heard this. Well, I heard that. I heard this. I heard that. You're not in the same. But he says what you have heard, you have heard the word of God, and we all can see the word of God. We're in tune with the word of God right here together. We all see it. We all know it. We have the word of God right here in our phone. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord. What is that? They beheld him, the mountain of transfiguration, his glory. But the Bible says we can behold his glory by looking in a glass, a mirror. James says in a mirror. It's a reflection. James says you look in a mirror, what you say, oh, good Lord. James says you're looking in a mirror. And if you're looking in a mirror and you got the Word of God, is the Word of God is a mirror, it reflects. If you and I start looking in the Word of God, what God is doing, He's trying to reflect His image of His Son onto you to make what He was out of you. So He says, you've got something better than James and Peter and John had when they heard the voice of God. We've got something better than that. We have the actual Word of God. 
that speaks to us every time we turn around. And, that's try, and God is trying to change us. You know, change into some same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. When you're looking into the Word of God, this book, God is changing you into something of His image of His own Son. God wants to change you. God wants to move in your life. We've got something more sure. We have the Word of God. And every time you open the Word of God, it speaks to you. Amen. I don't know about you. I, I, when I got saved, I prayed, Lord, Lord, I want to hear the voice of God. And the old preacher said, you haven't heard him? I said, no. He says, open your Bible. Open your Bible. I opened my Bible, and he says, now start reading. I start reading. I said, I see what you said. I start reading. God starts speaking. And that's what God is trying to tell us. You ain't got to hear the audible voice of God. You got it in your hands. Just read it. Let God change you. Every time you open the book, it changes you. Every time you start reading it, it should change you into the image of his own son. And that's what God wants to do with us. And we have that communion with God. Even in this word, we have that communion with God. I'm telling you, if you're not communing with God, if you're not communicating with God, you need to get into his word and let him speak to you. And he'll show you things you need to see. Not only in your life, but in my life. He wants to show you some things. Amen.